welcome to the Atmosphere Church Podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this message. We pray that it will touch your heart and change your life. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our desire is to help lead you in experiencing God by following Jesus. If you want to find out more information about us, head over to our website at atmosphere.church. We have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the message. We are kicking off a brand new series today called Live a Better Story. It is a study from the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. So I hope you have your Bibles. I hope you're ready to open them up, highlight, mark that thing up. And uh, it's gonna be a great series. We're gonna be in this series for several weeks, uh, but it's going to be a life-changing series. And I believe this book, the book of Nehemiah, has a prophetic message for us here in 2020 that you won't want to miss because I believe God is gonna use this whole study to change your story and to help your story. So let me pray. We're gonna be in Nehemiah chapter one this morning. I'm so excited. So pray with me. Father, I thank you so much for the way in these two short years, God, you have used our new church to do so many incredible things. God, we have seen hundreds of people make decisions to follow you with their lives. God, we have seen people healed physically and more importantly, spiritually and even mentally, God. Lord, we have seen families that were torn apart get put back together. And God, we are so grateful how you are using us, Lord, not just as a church, but as a movement from heaven. And Lord, continue to use us as heaven movers in our third year in being in the Conejo Valley. Lord, anoint this message. God, I pray that everyone, when they leave this time together, God, they will know they had a divine appointment with you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Okay, so hopefully you have Nehemiah chapter one turned open. I wanna start this talk off by asking you a question. Have you ever seen a movie or read a book and you got to the end of the movie or you got to the final chapter, the final paragraph of the book and, and you like the credits started rolling at the movie or you, you just kind of closed the last page of the book and you just thought to yourself, you're like, that was the dumbest ending ever. <laughs> can, can you think of a movie right now? Does a movie come to your mind does a book come to your mind where you just think maybe the author, maybe the director, they just got tired and they're just like, hey, let's just end this thing. And, and they just, you know, ran out of creativity juice. I don't know. Uh, one of the funniest endings in my mind, I, I can't say it was a dumb ending. It was a very sad ending. But one of, one of the funniest endings in my mind was the movie Titanic. You've probably seen this movie. Uh, you know, it's been out since, what, 1997. So... It's been out for decades now. And there is the final scene, right? Where Jack is holding on to Rose, who is on a door. It looks like a door, part of the door anyway. And, and she tells Jack, she says, I'll never let go, right? I'll hold on forever. And, and first, she doesn't. She seems to let go very quickly. But then 
Was I the only one that noticed that there seemed to be room on that door for Jack to join her so he wouldn't have to drown? I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one. No, I know I'm not the only one because this is controversy. Everyone thinks about that uh, when they think of the movie Titanic, that Jack could have been saved if Rose had just made a little bit more room. So uh, don't email me any physics reports or anything like that. I don't want to hear about it. But the point is that sometimes we get to the end of a story and we want a different ending. And maybe right now in your life, the story of your life, the life that you're living right now, your story isn't going so well. And you would love nothing more than to maybe reboot the story, maybe start over, but definitely you want to live a better story. I believe that Nehemiah speaks directly into that space because Nehemiah was a man of God. He wasn't a professional religious guy. He was just a man of God. He loved God, but he was just like an ordinary guy who loved God and God used him in a mighty way to live a better story, not just for his life, but for a whole nation. And I think in this season that we're all going through, I think it's really relevant for us to look at how we might be able to live a better story because the story of 2020 isn't going so well. If you've noticed this, it seems like every time we turn around, we're getting more bad news. And how much bad news can we take in 2020 and still remain hopeful? Here's the idea is when God is in your life, you always have hope because at the end of everything, God wins. So even as things are coming undone, the word of God tells us that God is the one that holds all things together. Specifically, Jesus is the one that holds all things together. So when everything feels like it's coming undone, I want to speak right to you that are feeling like your world is coming undone, not just a pandemic, not just our society and all of the uncertainty, unrest. I'm talking to, to, to your life. Your marriage feels like it's coming undone. Your, your family feels like it's coming undone. Your finances are feeling like they're coming undone. I, I want to speak to you that it is God who holds all things together. And so if you want to live a better story, regardless of the bad news that continues to come into your life, the answer is God. And Nehemiah knew that. And so as we get into this book, and we're going to be in here for several weeks, we're going to learn how we can live a better story. Today's talk specifically is entitled, How to Deal with Bad News. Because here's what I know. Uh, Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. It's so true, isn't it? 10% is what happens to you. 90% is how you respond to it. And so much of what happens in our life is our response to the bad news. And so I think coming out the gate of Nehemiah chapter one, of learning how to live a better story is first step is how do you properly deal with bad news? And I believe in chapter one, Nehemiah gives us three ways 
that we are going to help ourselves deal with bad news that will set us up to live a better story. So if you have your Bibles, Nehemiah chapter one, I'm gonna read the first three verses and we'll unpack this. It says, the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Han and I, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. And they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. So the whole book starts off with bad news. His brother comes in. He's, you know, uh, Nehemiah is still in exile. He's got a great government job working for the Persian king, but his heart is with his homeland. And he knows that people have been able to return to their homeland to kind of start rebuilding their lives and rebuilding their nation. And here he is trying to, you know, give himself a, a maybe a feel-good moment, like, hey, my bro is here, giving, give me some, some good news about our homeland. And the brother says, it's terrible. They're, they're suffering. There's all kinds of injustice going on. People are ravaging our, our you know, God's city, Jerusalem. There, there are no more walls. Walls were built in ancient times to protect cities like Jerusalem from invaders and, and uh, enemy armies that would come in and pillage uh, the whole town. And, and uh, the walls were there to protect. And then the gates were on fire. So there was all kinds of issues going on in Jerusalem. And Nehemiah has to deal with it. There's so many similarities about what's happening in the tension of Jerusalem and Israel and what's happening in our lives in 2020. Check this out. Here's just some comparisons. Israel, prisoners in a foreign land. Here we are, we're prisoners of a disease, a pandemic of COVID-19. The Israelites were returning from exile and we are attempting to reopen our lives Hello, Governor Newsom, please, right? Um, They found their cities uh, torn down and their gates burned. Do you know that right now in the state of California, there has been over 3 million acres burned by fire in 2020? The largest destruction in a single year for our, our whole state, 2020. And we're not even in our like normal fire season. Normal fire season is, I believe, October, November. If you can recall, in 2018 is when we had the Woolsey fire move through Thousand Oaks. And so what I'm saying is our state is burning and their gates were burning and they were suffering injustice and our nation is dealing with injustice and going through all of these different tensions because of the injustice. All that to say, guys, listen to me. Like as we plan this whole series, we knew that God was up to something. Like this was a prophetic word that God is trying to give to us in 2020 saying, 
Look at how Nehemiah deals with all of this adversity. Look how he deals with all of this trouble and learn from it. And if we could take the principles of how Nehemiah stepped up, this man of God, this leader of leaders, and and he just changed the whole environment, changed the whole outcome. Like God wants to give us a message because here's, here's where we're going with this whole series. God wants you and he wants me to become agents of change for this entire nation. He wants you and I to be able to be those agents of change. Here's what I know about dealing with bad news. You're not gonna be able to succeed in life and you're not gonna be able to finish well if you don't deal with bad news properly. Verse four, we're gonna see now how he responds. Nehemiah 1.4, when I heard these things, this is Nehemiah chronicling his journey here as a, a leader. He says, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So as we learn how to deal with bad news, I want you to write this down. We need to lament what has happened. Lament what has happened. Now, this could be a foreign word to some of you guys that are watching this morning. You may have never heard of this word, but you need to know there's a book in the Bible called the book of Lamentations, right? So this is a form of grief. This is a deep sorrow that you express. Matter of fact, here's how the dictionary defines lamenting. It is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. And I want to add to that, that it's a, it's a grief or a sorrow that God meets us in. So it's a passionate expression of this, that lamenting is actually something that you read throughout the entire Bible. Almost every significant Bible character that we've learned about as maybe kids in kids' church or youth in youth ministry had a time in their life where they lamented. And there's something about lamenting that I believe breaks us in to a a place where God seems to just do supernatural things. But a lot of times that supernatural aspect of what God wants to do can't be done unless we are willing to lament. It seems as though that when we start lamenting, God draws close. Somehow, the tears that we cry bring the heart of God close to us. Check this out in Psalm 34, verse 17 and 18. Some of you tuned in just for these two verses right here, all right? Turn your neighbor who's ever watching with you at home and say, you gotta listen to this. Lean into this, here it is. The righteous cry out, and check this out, and the Lord hears them. You know, some of you that were weeping this week over some brokenness in your life, I wanna tell you, God saw every tear. And to some degree, those tears drew him in closer to you than before you even shed a tear. And it says, he delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Did I just describe your state right now? Do you feel crushed in spirit? Do you feel brokenhearted? There's something about lamenting that brings God closer to us than we, when everything is fine in our life. 
I call it living in the land of hunky-doryville. It's like there's no problems, there's no drama, there, there's no relationship issues, no troubles. And most of the time, you know, we're living in that space, but every once in a while, a storm brews and we're faced with it. And when we cry out to God, God comes close and lamenting does that. Now there's two aspects and I, and I just wanna break this down for you. Uh, the first part is lamenting releases our pain. Lamenting releases our pain. I'm convinced that tears are a way that God uses to heal us internally. I do. Uh, There was a New York Times reporter, Benedict Carey. He referred to tears as, in an article, as emotional perspiration. I just love that. Biochemist William Frey found in one study that emotional tears, those formed in distress or grief, contain more toxic byproducts than tears of irritation, like what happens when you peel onions. And uh, those are those tears toxic? No, they actually remove toxins from our body that build up courtesy of the stress and distress that we go through. Another scientist uh named uh, Dr. Jerry Bergman, he's a microbiologist, discovered suppressing tears increases stress levels and contributes to diseases aggravated by stress such as high blood pressure, heart problems, and ulcers. Check this out, okay? I'm gonna put it up on the screen. When we lose the ability to lament, we lose an opportunity to share with God the things of this world that are breaking our hearts and we risk becoming a quietly cynical people. I read that this week and I said, that needs to be repeated because when we fail to lament, we fail to give ourselves the opportunity to be healed on the inside and the direct result is a hardness comes over us and we become cynical. Matter of fact, there there are some people because they refuse to lament, they refuse to, to grieve over the bad news and the trouble, that we actually cope with it through drug addiction, alcohol abuse, um, porn addiction. A lot of these addictions stem from this failure to lament and to properly deal with the hurt and the trouble that's in our life. See, some of you, what God is really ordering for your life is a good cry session, honestly. I mean, when's the last time that you really had a, a moment where you just like really came into sorrow and cried over the grief and over the trouble? Because I believe those tears are doing something. They're healing you from the inside out. And you dudes out there, you guys out there, they're like, I don't ever cry. I don't think that's a good thing. I was gonna tell you right now, I think you not crying is actually more toxic for you than probably a lot of other things in your life. There's probably a lot of issues that are side effect issues because you are failing to lament. Lament is a good thing and lamenting helps heal us. And here's the second part, lamenting reveals God's heart. So it releases our pain but it also reveals God's heart that there's something, there's something about the space of crying and being just passionately sorrowful over a situation where you start getting a clue with maybe these aren't just my tears. 
Here's the reality that some of you may have never thought of. Do you know, I believe God gets sad. I know some of you may have never thought about that before, but can God get sad? Absolutely. We are created in the image of God. I believe our sadness is a reflection of some attribute that he has. I believe the the scriptures tell us that he gets sad. Scripture tells us he gets mad. Scripture tells us he gets glad. Matter of fact, God is a passionate God. And I believe we are passionate people because we are created in the image of a passionate God. And that passion that has come down from heaven and put in us, I believe when we are lamenting that there is a heaven touching earth moment where we begin crying supernatural tears that are revealing to us something that God is deeply concerned about. I believe that the tears that Nehemiah was crying in chapter one were supernatural tears because God was trying to reveal to Nehemiah that I'm sad that the walls of Jerusalem are down and that the gates are on fire. I had a moment in 2007, I'll never forget 2007. I know it's been many years now, but I remember it like it was yesterday. And every springtime, my family you know, we plan, and at the time my kids were much smaller, we plan our family vacation because we got to book hotels and travel arrangements and all that. So we start planning in spring. Well, we at the time were major American Idol fans. We didn't miss an episode and we would always look forward to American Idol. And and, uh, so we're planning our our vacation in the springtime and Ryan Seacrest was on there and it was a special episode called American Idol Gives Back. Never seen them do this before. It was kind of like a new new concept for them. And so they did this uh, piece where they were in Africa. And they did this documentary about this one particular family. I don't even know what nation of Africa they were in, but they followed this three-year-old, three years old. They followed this three-year-old who left his hut where his mom and his sisters were there. And he left, left the hut to go hunting. And he ended up finding a rat and some baby rats and they brought it back to the mom to, to fix a stew or whatever they ate. And, and I'm watching this. I'm planning my vacation with my family and I'm just watching and this, I just start crying. And I didn't want my kids to see me like crying because they'd be like, daddy, what's wrong? So I ran to my room and I shut the door and I, I just got overwhelmed. That's the best way I can say it. I got overwhelmed and I just fell on my face in my bedroom and I, I, I didn't cry, I wailed. I don't know if you've ever done that where I, I uncontrollably started crying. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Like I, I couldn't control myself, guys. I was like, what is happening to me? And, and, and you know, it's the kind of cry session where the snot's coming out, you know, not to get too descriptive. And I'm going, what's happening? And then I'll never forget what I heard from, I believe it was God, said, these are my tears. And this is my sadness for what these people are faced with. And something was woke in me that day. Something about, I've got to do something. We, we can't just sit back and, and, and let something like this be okay. Like we're, we're living in the wealthiest nations of the world. Like, what are we doing? How as a family are we doing? And that day, we actually, as a family, we began giving 
uh, to some different organizations helping sponsor kids. Now, fast forward another year, I became the lead pastor of our Vegas campus. And my mission one was like, I want to go to Africa. I just, I'm compelled. Let's get the whole church rallied around. We sent a team to Africa and sure enough, God led us right to a pastor that needed some partnerships. And we went over there and we saw this pastor who had a heart for kids go from 80 kids in a school to now over 500 kids. So we have partnered with our Vegas church as far as our Africa mission still. And we're helping these kids out in Lusaka, Zambia. It's an amazing program. I just received an email from Pastor Ernest over there. We helped them keep their doors open as a school during the whole COVID pandemic. So those kids, you need to know, those of you that have never kind of put your mind in missions before, those kids, some of them, the only meal they get for the entire day is the meal our school prepares for them. It's the only meal they get. Just wrap your head around that. So we were able to give to them. We weren't able to go to Africa this summer like we were planning, but we were able to give to them so they can keep their doors open, so they can keep feeding the kids, they can keep discipling the kids, and it's a beautiful story. And so I, I wanna thank you too, because we couldn't have done this without your guys' support and generosity uh, as a church family. So, so I believe in that God wakes something up. Like lamenting gives you a passion that I believe is supernatural. And for, for you, it, it may be foster parenting, uh, adopting maybe a, another child that's not your biological child. For you, it may be people who are incarcerated and helping their families deal with that. For you, it may be people struggling in addiction. For you, it may be uh, helping the poor, the, the homeless, the less fortunate. For you, it may be human trafficking. For you, it may be teen moms. For you, it may be blended families. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But have you just taken a moment and thought about some grieving issue and you just cried or you got upset about it and maybe God's trying to wake you up to say, I want you to be a solution to this issue. So lamenting is good and it reveals the heart of God. Here's the second thing that we learned from Nehemiah and that is remember God is great and he's awesome. So how do you deal with bad news? You lament. And then number two is you remember who God is, that he's great and he's awesome. Check this out in verse five. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. (laughs) I mean, right there, that verse by itself. So here's Nehemiah, he's a man of God. He's an ordinary guy. He's a government worker, right? He's not a prophet. He's not a priest. He's just a regular guy, has a government job. And here he's, recognizing in his grieving, in his lamenting, he's saying, God, time out. I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna get a hold of you. And the first thing I'm gonna declare is that you are great and you are awesome. Why is that so important? Because if you allow yourself to get caught up with all of the bad news and you stop declaring in your prayer time that God is great and awesome, those circumstances are gonna seem much larger and much stronger and much greater than your God. It's true. And and we have to remind our souls continuously that God is great and he's awesome and he's greater than a pandemic. You know, God is greater than an election. God is greater than any injustice. God is greater than our economy. You know, I, I think honestly, we have really messed our minds up by 
throwing ourselves around so much media. And I know I've said that a lot over the last several months. And some of you have taken me up on the challenge to turn off all news. I think it's really helpful. But not only is it helpful to turn off the news, you you need to fill that void in by declaring to God that he's great and he's awesome. In your prayer life, you should be like, you know, I remember in children's church, we used to, our God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. I mean, I love that song as a children's uh, ministry teacher. I love it because it, we need to sing that song for ourselves and the trouble that we're facing. And one of the perfect stories in the New Testament is found in the Gospel of Matthew, Chapter 14, I've got to read it to you. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went on to the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, battered by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught Peter and said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? I mean, they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and then those who went in the boat or were in the boat worshiped Jesus saying, truly, you are the son of God. I mean, obviously, a lot of us that are you know, familiar with church, we've, we've heard the story of Jesus walking on water and Peter getting out of the boat. I mean, it's just a great story. But think about this for a second. Peter was audacious enough to get out of the boat, which I think is awesome. But then check out what happened. He was looking at Jesus, but he felt the wind, he saw the waves, he started paying attention to all the stuff to the side of him, and he started to sink. And then Jesus reached out his hand and he pulled him up. So Peter was walking with the one who was walking on the water. But as soon as he took his eyes off the one who was walking on the water and started paying attention to all of the circumstances around him, he began sinking, he began drowning. The very Water that was keeping him up was also the water that was threatening to drown him. And the difference was what Peter was focusing on. Isn't that crazy? So for you and for me, the more we're able to focus on the greatness and the awesomeness of God, the more likely we will stay above the very waters that threaten to drown us. And we're gonna dance on top of it with our Savior, this is how God wants us to handle our circumstances. I, I read this years ago, and I'm going to give it to you. Some of you have never heard this. Stop telling God how big your storm is and start telling your storm how big your God is. Right there, some of you tuned in just for that. I, I mean, I know the trouble is great. Hello, I'm not living under a rock. I know there is a lot of crazy stuff going on out there, but this is what I know. God is greater than that. Honestly, some of us, this is what we need to do. We need to go to our garages, pull out the old alarm clocks, because I know what's happening, because this is what happens to me. We wake up with our phones, right? The, the alarm on our phones. So we got our phone out and we, we turn our alarm off. And guess what? There's notifications waiting for us. We haven't even opened our eyes yet. And we're already being bombarded by bad news. 
hey, why don't we get the old alarm clocks out and wake up old school without a phone? And then the first act we do when we're waking up is say, God, before I say anything or do anything, I'm gonna declare to you that you are great and that you are awesome. And that no matter how big the waves are, God, I know that you are the one that walks on top of them. Amen to that. Wouldn't that be a cool prayer that we could pray every single day of our lives? I think it would be a game changer. Here's the third thing, write this down. Take responsibility. So you wanna learn how to handle bad news, take responsibility. And there's two parts to this. The first one is own your mistakes and missteps or missteps. Uh, Verses six through nine, it says, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant is praying before you day and night. So Nehemiah's praying to God. He says, and your servants, the people of Israel, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to this place I have chosen as a dwelling for your name. So let let me tell you that one of the things that we need to do is we need to own our mistakes and missteps. Don't blame God. Notice Nehemiah is not blaming God. He's like, this is on us. You told us this would happen if we did this. And we did this and we're confessing it, we messed up. So basically, we're getting what we deserve. That's, this is what Nehemiah is saying. And some of you, you are stuck, and you feel like you can't move right now. And I'm telling you, one of the biggest ways you are going to live a better story, and you're gonna deal better with bad news, is taking responsibility in owning the mistakes and missteps of your own life, that there are always gonna be consequences to the things that we do with our lives. Every action has a reaction, okay? So if you're making wrong actions, there's gonna be wrong reactions against our life. So some of you, honestly, there's a lot of trouble in your life that is there because of bad decision-making that you did. And I know some of it could have been 10 years, 20 years ago, but honestly, we sometimes have to reap the consequences of things that we do wrong and we have to own it. And part of moving forward and living a better story is owning the mistakes and missteps. Can you think of a time that you did something, maybe you didn't make the wrong decision and and maybe if you realize that, you'll stop blaming God, stop blaming other people and say, you know what, I'm gonna own that. Yeah, and I, I, I may, honestly, for the rest of my life, I may have to deal with this, but you know what, this isn't God's deal. It's my deal. Like he probably warned me a dozen times and I still did it anyway. And yep, my life's pretty messed up right now and I got a lot of trouble, but I'm gonna own it. I'm gonna own it. It's not God's issue. It's it's my issue. Here's the second part is own your role to bring change. So that's the other part of taking responsibility is not just saying, hey, I, I messed up. Check this out in verse 11. Lord, so he's still praying. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. He's talking about the king that he worked for. And he says, I was cupbearer to the king. He's like, hey guys, just to let you know, I'm praying this because I had a position of influence. 
And so I'm like, God, I know that in this moment, like this is my, this is, this is why I'm here. It's for such a time as this. And let me tell you that prayer, I believe, revealed this to Nehemiah. He wouldn't have maybe connected the dots like, oh, wait a minute. Like as he's praying going, God, I just, I, I'm not comfortable with that. Wait a minute, God. You put me in this position to work for the king because the king can actually help the situation. He has a heart for Israel. Like, wow, okay. So there are things, right? Let me tell you, there's so many benefits for prayer, but let me tell you one big benefit of prayer that you may have not thought about is that prayer is gonna give you an ability to see something you would have never seen before had you not been praying. So God wants to give you a revelation of maybe your situation so that you can actually do something to change your story. I think that's awesome. Okay, so check this out. His passion plus his position opened the door for a special purpose. So passion plus position equals special purpose. So, so we, we talked about the passion, right? The, the grieving. Uh, a passion is anything that makes you sad, glad, or mad. So, so we all have those supernatural, I believe, passion. And then you put it with his position that he could do something. His position of influence equals special purpose. That I believe, lean into this, I believe you have a special purpose. I do. I really do. I believe we all do. I believe God put us on this earth on purpose, not by accident. And he says, I have a mission for you if you choose to accept. And this is the formula, P plus P equals SP. Passion plus position, but not just position. Think about these things. There's three things that you possess that I believe helps you with the special purpose God has. And not just position, but people. There's people that God has supernaturally placed in your life so that you could do something to bring change in this world. And here's the third thing, possessions. You own stuff, you have stuff. And God can use that stuff to actually change this world and to allow you and allow me to live a better story. So I think these are really important things for you to understand. So the the big thing is, big idea here is you take responsibility and you have to see that God wants to use you and he wants to use me to make a difference in this world. I was thinking of a story I heard years ago about this little boy that was on a beach and he was like chucking the starfish back into the water after a storm. And this older guy rolls up to this little boy and just hundreds of starfish on the, the beach. And he's just, you know, chucking them one at a time back into the water. And this man is looking at this little boy going, what is he doing? So he says, hey, little boy, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm, I'm chucking these starfish in the water because the sun's about ready to come out and these things are going to dry and they're going to die. And the man's looking at just hundreds of starfish on this whole seashore. And he's thinking, son, you're not going to be able to make a difference here. Like there's hundreds. It, it's impossible for you to make a difference with how much work needs to be done here. And with that, the little boy reached down got another starfish, looked at him and said, it will make a difference to this one. And he throws it in the water. Let me tell you, making a difference doesn't necessarily mean you have to be the CEO of a big nonprofit organization. Making a difference could be helping your neighbor next door take care of a need that they have. It doesn't have to be this huge thing. Matter of fact, I will say that God uses small things to do big things. So I don't know what that looks like for you, but, but I want you to take responsibility that God 
wants to use you and he wants to use me to not only live a better story for ourselves, but to help this world live a better, better story, help our community live a better story. Uh, we can't do everything, but we can do some things. And I was thinking about this whole coronavirus and, and how all of these seniors are sheltered in place and they can't leave and, and they have all these pre-existing health issues. And, and so we've been ministering to the uh, Senior Concern Center and I've been hearing, you know, they have these, all these needs. You got to deliver all these meals. And so I told Terry, I go, babe, on Fridays, uh, I'm going to go out and I'm going to start taking meals to these seniors. Uh, I'm going to be a Meals on Wheels driver. And she's like, I want to come with you. And so for the last two months, Tara and I, on Friday, we've been getting in our car and we've been driving to 12 different seniors in, in Thousand Oaks here, just delivering meals and, and being able to, to connect with these seniors and love them and just be there for them and provide them food. So I, I just, I'm such a big fan of Senior Concerns. I'm such a big fan of Meals on Wheels. And I'm telling you, I'm a volunteer now. And there's 12 seniors that Tara and I are making a difference for. Let me ask you a question. Who are you making a difference for? Who is your one starfish? Because if you don't have one, my challenge to you in this message today, in this talk today, is find a need, fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. It could be small, it could be big, but do something about that. And with that, I wanna close in prayer. And, and I hope this talk today has really encouraged you to live a better story and deal with your bad news in a better way. Father, I thank you, God, for everybody that is watching this morning, God, for the way that you're speaking to their heart. God, I believe somebody today is watching and they're far from you. Maybe a friend told them about this church in Thousand Oaks. I don't know. Maybe they found us by accident, but God, it's no accident. They're here because, Lord, you love them. You died for them and you're calling them into a relationship with you. And so while everyone is praying, maybe you're evaluating where you're at in these steps, for you that I'm speaking to that are far from God, like, wow, he's speaking right to me. Yes, he loves you. God loves you. He died for you so that he could put his spirit inside of you for you to be able to live a better story. And if you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, this is where your better story begins by saying yes to him and letting his spirit come and live on the inside of you. And while we are here in this prayer time, I, if you wanna make this decision to follow Jesus, it, this is how it begins. Just pray this prayer after me right there where you're at. Pray with me, say, Jesus, today I give you my life. Thank you for dying for my sins for loving me even when I wasn't very lovable. And God, I pray today that you would send your spirit to come and live on the inside of me for I'm making a decision to follow you in my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you said yes to Jesus today, I want you to text us and let us know. Say, I, I was the one. I said yes, because we want to send you a Bible. We want to connect with you, send you resources and help you in this new pursuit of God for your life. And we're excited for you. Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes Podcast, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms. 
and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official website at atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click the link that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love.